Am I being realistic with myself today based on my current state? So would you expect to break a record in squatting if you didn't sleep last night? Would you expect to lose body fat if you didn't train for a whole week, right? So you have to you have to start to look at all the confounding variables that play into your success or conversely your your lack of progress, right? So instead of just uh, you know objectively or subjectively saying, "Man, I'm really really great," and getting on a high, and "Man, I really really suck," and get on a low, try to look for ways to accept what is and find the consistent daily action item that allows you to progressively get better, right? So dwelling on what I did did or didn't do yesterday doesn't help you progress. Just can't, right? Well, I should say it can, it can inspire you to take action. That's great. But stressing about it is not going to be useful. Maybe for some of you, you know that you're eating something every day that like, Gosh, so I just stop doing this. If I stop drink, drinking or if I stop doing this, this, you know, eating dessert or whatever, right? If I just stop doing that one thing, that everything else will probably get better. So an example being, gosh, if I just started going to bed a little earlier, maybe if I just put some restrictions on my social media, right? Or if I just did a little bit of cardio every day, I got a little morning sunshine, right? Find those high impact leverage points to allow you to get better in those areas. One of the things that um, I really wanted to focus on today was the most important things we can do as humans is become really, really mm, familiar with our body. And I think it's not something that's taught in society to uh, connect with your body, to have a really good understanding of what you're feeling from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And so I threw a video in my, in my coaching group this morning about this daily practice of taking every joint in your body through its entire excursion. So I do this while I'm brushing my teeth in the morning. I'll go through like some, some interesting movements, a lot of stretching, a lot of mobility, a lot of breathing, just like simply either shower or brushing my teeth. Like I, I, I anchor it to another part of my day that I know I'm going to do. And it allows me to, to uh, take ultimate inventory on my body and feel what I'm experiencing in my body. Here's why that matters. As we progress through life, as we train, as we attempt to get stronger and bigger and faster or whatever we're doing, sometimes injuries can happen, setbacks can happen. And if we're, if we're paying attention to what our body feels like in time, we can predict them, we can anticipate them, and we can prevent them. So one of the biggest setbacks you're going to have in your life is, is an injury, a significant injury that slows you down weeks, months, or sometimes years that uh, is ultimately avoidable if you just take constant inventory of your body and you'll know. And I'll tell you guys what you're really looking for. So the body should be, this is an overstatement, but the body should be in general relatively harmonious uh, when it comes to the amount of tone throughout the body, right? It should, it should be relatively equal. So if you're feeling places that feel hypertonic, like really, really tight, in places that feel hypotonic, maybe really, really loose or hypermobile, those are often the areas that are that are leading toward injury. So then when you feel that, you start going, okay, this area has too much tone. Maybe I should do something to alleviate it. This area lacks tone. Maybe I should do something to increase it. And then try to, to blend these two areas, right? So if I have too much tone in an area, it's important to know. 
too much tone is effectively just if you want to think of it like the spotlight of your nervous system is, is too tightly wound. Your nervous system goes, this area is really tight. It's like a guitar string, right? So people think something's tight, you have to stretch it. Stretching is only one mechanism of down-regulating the nervous system. So if you, if you think of like and a good a good metaphor, a good analogy is hot spots, right? When, when you talk of like a massage therapist, oh, that's a hot spot. That's a, that's a pressure point. Yeah, that is, it's a very good metaphor because it's really just like a, a spot in the nervous system in the body where it's like tightly wound. Right, so the nervous system sending too much signal to the area. It doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong. It just means that nervous system is saying, "Hey, I need, need this area to be tighter for some reason. We don't know why." And so maybe we want to start tuning it down a little bit, right? So how then do we tune it down? We can stretch, we can contract, we can move, we can um, I don't know uh, massage, right? All those areas can bring down muscle tone, or all of them, right? And how about bringing up muscle tone? contract and ultimately spend time in those positions of weakness. And I think one of the greatest things, the point of my my message today, one of the greatest things you can do for yourself at whatever age you're at is be, become incredibly well-tuned, incredibly well uh, familiar with your body in, in every different position. So you guys know after my bodybuilding career, I, I took a really deep interest in yoga for a few years and I still do practice yoga, not nearly as much as I'd like to, but just because of proximity of where I am in the world. But yoga for me was simply the ability to get really, really uncomfortable and stay there and, and become familiar with those positions. Like right? these are this whole new set of skills, whole new set of positions that I'm completely unfamiliar with. That I'm like, okay, this this is a forced opportunity. I put myself in yoga class. I'm not going to stand there and not do it. So I'm like, okay, I'm for I'm putting my 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 feet to the fire. I'm like, I got to go do this. And I'm then becoming more familiar with my body in all these different positions. And so I, I suggest you guys create this. And so every morning when you get up, spend five to 10 minutes moving your body through every possible range of motion you can. It can look like dancing. It can look like yoga. It can look like some type of animal flow movement practice. Doesn't matter what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. The whole objective is I'm going to spend time in these positions and over time, I'm going to get better at these positions. So don't just go to a position and move through it. Go to a position and stay there. You know, like you want to get to the bottom of a, you know, if you guys do yoga at all, like a, a deep lunge or a deep squat or a forward fold or a twist, really anything. And say, okay, I want to spend time in this position and see if I can progressively take it further. And all you're doing is you're, you're teaching, you're, you're learning to calm down your mind, calm down your nervous system, relax the muscular system. And become familiar with your body. Now, why does this matter to all of you guys? Because the more you can become familiar with your body outside of the gym and really, really connected with what you're feeling and what's happening in your body, the more you can be connected to it inside of the gym. And the, the, in my opinion, the biggest reason, the number one reason why people don't succeed in the gym is not because they're not able, it's not because they're not working hard, it's because they have no idea what the hell they're feeling. So they become mindless in the gym, right? It's just mindlessly slinging weights like a monkey. You hear me say that all the time, right? It's like going in there, slinging weights from point to point, be like, like a monkey. And that, that's literally what gym, gyms look like across the world. So if we can teach ourselves to become intentional and present and mindful rather than mindless, progress shifts completely. Ladies and gents, I want to talk to you a little bit about a challenge that I've been experiencing lately. I've been waking up a little bit stiff. I've been waking up 
Phil, I'm like, my body's a little achy. I'm like, gosh, am I getting old? What's happening? I almost feel like the Tin Man when I wake up. My muscles feel tight. I feel like my joints are a little bit achy. And I'm, I wasn't sure why. And so if I'm being honest, I've been neglecting certain aspects of my supplement regime. And I didn't realize how just truly vital they were to my well-being. For the last three days, I've reintroduced this one specific supplement has literally opened me up. I woke up this morning and I'm not exaggerating, dancing because my body felt so free. My body felt so loose. I felt like I had rewound the clock by 20 years. In my mind, originally, I was like, gosh, maybe this is like I'm getting old. Maybe it's sitting in. I'm like, what's going on? I wake up and I can't even move my shoulder or my hips. I'm like, this doesn't feel right. And then I realized, but I haven't been taking my magnesium. I know you guys have heard about magnesium countless times before. But the value that I've experienced just in the last couple of days by reintroducing a healthy dose of magnesium into my life and the right type of magnesium into my life is nothing short of remarkable. My brain feels better. My daily activities feel like less of a chore. And even my training just feels like I'm able to be loose and free and crush it like I know that I can. I hated going into the gym for the last few weeks because it would hurt. My muscles would hurt, my joints would ache, and I felt like I, would, I felt like literally the tin man trying to get my hands above my head. As soon as I reintroduced my typical healthy dose of magnesium breakthrough into my life, everything opened up. And I, if you're someone who's experiencing any of these symptoms around muscle soreness, or if you're someone who trains hard, or if you're stressed on a consistent basis, and you're not taking an incredibly highly available source of magnesium, I promise you're missing out on an opportunity for your brain to work more effectively, for your muscles to work more effectively, to calm down your nervous system, to give you more regenerative sleep. Head over to magbreakthrough.com slash muscle intelligence to get hooked up with 10% off your order from our amazing friends over at Bioptimizers. Once again, that's magbreakthrough.com slash muscle intelligence and use the code MUSCLE10 on any order of all of their incredible sweet products to benefit from this incredible product and this incredible offer. Thank you to Mag Breakthrough. Thank you for being here. Enjoy the podcast. This is a very, very common challenge. It was a common challenge that a lot of people face is like, when am I ready to increase the weight? And it's so important to acknowledge that you're capable of more than you realize. And it's often not even a physical challenge so much as it is a mental challenge. So I watch it with my clients all the time. I'll just, I'll just write, I'll send me videos up the weight, up the weight, up the weight, because mentally they're afraid to, yeah, they're afraid it's going to be, it's going to break or they're afraid the form's going to, they're going to suffer. Or they're, or maybe even afraid it's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. And so learning how to maintain positional stability or positional strength in anything you do is very cognitively and physically hard. So. If you're doing a bicep curl, you're using 20, say in your case, 15 kilos or 30 pounds and relatively easy. The thing that's the problem or not the problem, but the, but the, the limitation is seldom the muscle you're actually training. It's actually your body. It's actually your body's ability to be stable, right? So in order to lift a heavier weight, I have to create a greater degree of stability at the proximal end of my body. So every, every muscle has two ends, right? A distal end, which is further away, and a proximal end, which is closer. And the proximal end, if you guys just like picture the trunk, that end needs to create graded amounts more stability as I add more resistance externally, right? And that's almost 
always the limiting factor. And I know that because if I were to come and externally stabilize a key that would like hold you in place, your ability to increase to do more weight would go up. So bring your focus to what's happening here. So one, like for me, for example, I'm looking, and this is important. There's, there's two, two places you can find stability, right? You can find stability internally with muscles, or you can find stabi- stability externally with machines or holding on the wall or whatever bench. Yeah, that's external stability. And so either one of those can increase the ability for you to produce force, internal or external. But learning how to create internal stability is a skill. So for example, if, if I was if I was standing in the room with you right now and you stood up and I said, you just stand there, don't let me move you, and I push you progressively harder, you, you'd have to create huge amounts of stability and internal tension and, and not allowing me to move, move you. That's essentially it. There's a huge skill component in that. So as you are... Uh, training, become hyper aware of the amount of stability you're creating inside of your body. And if you're creating as much stability as you can, and you still can't lift more weight, then maybe you consider, okay, what can I do to stabilize myself externally? So an exa- a good example of external versus internal stabilization is like a squat versus a hack squat, right? Squat is very internally stabilized. Hack squat is very externally stabilized, right? And so the reason you can do more weight in a hack squat, other than the fact that it's at a 45 degree, is also the fact that you've got huge amounts of external stability. Stability governs contraction. That's an important quote to remember. Stability governs contraction. So if you can't, you feel like you're not sure if you can lift harder, it's because you're limited in stability. So consciously focus on increasing internal or external stability. I'd say the primary thought that's going through my head when I'm training is, how do I get the most out of this set? And so that means specifically, how do I get the most out of this muscle? which I know then is contingent on how do I maintain the form and maximize stability, right? And so I don't think there's, I, I, have, a, I have a belief that there's, there's almost never a place, I won't say never, but, but seldom is there a place for shitty reps. But there is a place for smaller reps, meaning, right, the range of motion may get smaller. I don't think like swinging, like the old school, like cheap reps, like I, I think that's, I think it's, it's, a, it's a useless paradigm. I, maybe not useless. Not not very effective, let's say. What is an effective paradigm is maintaining the form you've got and decreasing, gradually decreasing the size of the rep, right? So instead, I can't get the bicep curl all the way up anymore. The set's not done. You can still go with three-quarter reps, half reps, quarter reps, tenth reps, right? You can keep going that way. Um, but the form never changes. Just the size of the rep changes. Yeah, guys, so that, that's important framing is like, how can I get the most out of this? And so there's another level that stacks on top. Uh, so there, there's obviously this internal component, right? What is my body doing? How do I get the most out of my body? There's an additional component that you guys should understand is how does this exercise overlay on top of what my body is capable of? So we have like the internal capability and we have this external force thing, force that's being applied against my body. And those things need to, um, try to, I'm trying to explain this without getting into like scientific jargon, but I'll get into a small amount of scientific jargon. Your body has a varying ability to produce force, which means I'm strong in certain places and I'm weak in other places. Everybody with me? Certain places I can produce a ton of force. I'm super strong. Certain places I'm weak. Example, if I took a weight and I held it here, I could hold a 150-pound dumbbell like that straight above my head. If I went like this and hold the same 150-pound dumbbell there, I'm not holding it there for long, right? So the body has a varying ability to produce force. And so thereby, an exercise should as close as we possibly can match that, right? Or meet it where I'm, where I am. 
Meaning if I'm strong somewhere, I want the weight to be appropriately heavy. And if I'm weak somewhere, I want the weight to be appropriately light. And so that's a complex, it's not actually complex, but it's, it's uncommon for people to understand forces, right? So when you start, when you start understanding exercise at a deeper level, you start looking at exercises from perspective of how is this force being applied against my body? And how then is my body applying force back against this resistance? That's literally what exercise is. It's a dance of forces. It's like a force is pushing down on me and I'm pushing back against it. What muscle am I using to push back against it? And how can I make that muscle be the greatest amount of work possible? I can vary the, the, the muscle that's pushing back based on my position. And I can vary the direction of the applied force. Does that make sense? So if, if, I, if I have a dumbbell or a barbell, it's only down. It's only exerting force straight down. So therefore, I have to position myself in some way under it or over it to create um, resistance, right? And, and, and so when you start looking at exercise from a perspective of external forces being applied against my body, my body's applying force back, then maybe you start looking at it a little differently, right? A cable, what direction is the cable applying force? Literally, the, ca- the, the, the direction of the cable is the force, right? Machines can be a little bit more complex because they typically move in an arc. Um, but we, we can just look and go, okay, what direction is this thing applying force? And how do I maximally get some part of my body to, to push back against this? And it's important to realize that. So a really good example. Have you guys ever done a machine or even a dumbbell, say, say a dumbbell curl, where a certain part of the exercise is really, really hard? And a certain part of the exercise is like, oh, I, could, I could do this all day. Not everyone pays attention to this reality that I really struggle in a certain part of the exercise and a certain part of it is like, it's easy. Learning how to adjust the way the resistance is, is pushing against your body or adjust the way your body is pushing against the resistance can completely change the exercise experience. So if I just change my orientation of the body to the, to the machine, I can completely change what part of the exercise is easy versus what part is hard. And you guys have to start looking. I know that's kind of nuanced. If you guys ever get a chance to come to one of our camps in person, I teach you guys all this stuff. It's so easy when you're standing there beside me and I can show you a machine. Like, look, this is heavy here. Do you understand? Yes. Look, this is light there. Do you understand? Yes. I can show, like, this is the stuff we teach at camp that everyone's like, oh my God, if I had done this 20 years ago, it'll change my life. Yeah, it does. So if you guys ever get a chance to get to one of our camps, we'll be holding them a lot of them in 2023. Um, we'll be doing one a month. So I'd love to have you guys there. And, and gosh, it's, it's always paradigm changing because it, it's so empowering to start to understand exercise at a level that you're like, oh, I can design an exercise to make it maximally effective. Here's a paradigm challenge for you. How many exercises do you need to challenge a body part? What's, what's, the, what's the typical response? The answer is, is as, as few as necessary. But the reason the paradigm has become three or four or five or six is because the honest truth is they all suck. So when we talk about resistance profiles, Meaning this, this, this reality that my body has a certain capability. I'm strong here and I'm weak there. That's called the strength profile, right? My body's ability to generate strength typically looks like a, like a U curve, right? Inverted U. Um, my body has a very ability to generate strength. The exercise should perfectly match that. If it doesn't, then I'll have to do multiple exercises to challenge my muscle in the length and position in the mid range and the shortened position. So a simple way to think about exercise or muscles. Typically, three relative positions of contraction, right? Lengthened position, mid-range, shortened position. You can, in many cases, you can do all of that with one exercise. In many cases, you can't. But in general, if you found a really, really well-designed exercise, 
you, I mean, that's all you would need, right? So if you find an example being, um, if you can find a really good piece of back equipment, it's always a machine, it's never a free weight. If you can find a really good piece of back equipment, you only need one, one, one piece of equipment. If you guys ever get the chance to go to my gym in Tampa, there's one piece of equipment that I do 15 sets on sometimes. I'll do, I'll do at least do eight to 10 sets because it's so good that I just, it just, it just hits it perfectly. I just, that's all I need. And then I'm done. Right. Maybe I play around with some other stuff just because I like to play and it's, it's fun. But as far as like, if I was just trying to build muscle, I'd probably pick one or two exercises that are really good profiles and do them so much that I grow. So rather than messing around with seven different exercises that all suck, you find the one or two that are really effective. This is, this is a, maybe not a scientifically valid statement, but I'll say it anyways, because it's something that I believe to be true. The greatest opportunity for progress in every body part exists in two places. It exists in a lengthened position and it exists in a shortened position. And so as you guys aspire to build muscle, any muscle, you must, must, must become masterful at the lengthened position and the shortened position or the fully contracted position, right? So the fully lengthened and the fully shortened, that's where the greatest opportunity for exercise exists, bar none. And I've been saying this for 10 years, and I think a lot of people are catching on. Um, but honestly, I learned that just through like beating my head against the wall for years and doing all the dumb shit that everyone else does, like these these midway, half halfway reps. I'm like, why is this body, body part not growing? Why am I getting injured? Why is it too tight? Also, when you start learning to get strong at the extremes, the body grows and your joints stay healthy. And that's a big difference between like my body as a professional bodybuilder. I was always so healthy. I always moved so well. And I never had, never had joint issues. I had more joint issues after retiring, ironically. Yeah, it's just learning how to get positionally strong in those positions of weakness. So if, if, the, if the body's ability to generate force looks like an inverted U, meaning it's strongest in the middle and weakest at the extremes, then I need to spend time in those weak positions in order to get, make everything proportionally better. Like I told you guys, I have a torn labrum and a torn Achilles tendon. It's been great for me to learn how to rehab it and understand what I did wrong and how to prepare my body more effectively and how to be diligent with my preparation. Right. If I want to, if I commit to wanting to run and play and jump with my kids every day for the rest of my life, then I got to prepare for that every day. I can't just allow myself to not be prepared. And all of a sudden kids are here and I got to, I got to go play, you know, tag or something. I can't do it. Or I can't play basketball. I'm like, that's, that's not acceptable to me. So it brings me a lot of pain. So I love the idea of like training to, to be resilient to that anti-fragile to that. I'll, I'll close with a few other really important thoughts around training. All training starts from a structurally balanced position, or it should start from a structurally balanced position. It means if my posture is out of alignment, everything I therefore do after that is also dysfunctional, right? So the first thing I want you guys to become aware of as you go into the gym, where's my posture, right? Am I rounded forward? Am I, am I hyperextended at the back, sticking my butt out? Am, am I, so the way we know if our posture is aligned, obviously left to right is obvious, but you look at it from the side, your ear, your shoulder joint, your hip joint, your knee joint, your ankle joint should be vertically aligned all the way from your ear, shoulder joint, the hip joint, the knee joint, and the ankle joint, vertical line. And if they're not, then you're structurally imbalanced and ultimately dysfunctional. That's one. So you got to balance the structure before anything else. So if you feel something is off, like it feels tight, it feels weak, then my suggestion is spend as much time as you need to try to balance the body before every session. First thing. Structurally align your body. Second thing, anchor in really, really effective diaphragmatic breathing. So if you guys were to do nothing else in a day ever, and like you didn't even get to the workout, 
but you did something to, re- to structurally align your body. You did something to improve your diaphrag- diaphragmatic breathing. Your quality of life would get better. Your body would move more effectively and you would move with that without pain. Just those two things. So as we create these, these programs le- leading people to like structural optimization, there's a small number of things that most people would benefit from doing. Most of you will benefit from glute- improving your glute contractions. Most of you will benefit from probably uh, improving your quad contractions. Most of you will improve from improving your diaphragm, diaphragm control. Most of you improve from loosening up your pec minor, right? Like there's so many of these, these little things that will completely change structural balance. An example, sit on the floor. Don't sit in a chair. If you're worried about your posture, sit on the floor. So when you're sitting on the floor and you don't have anything to lean against, your body has to keep yourself upright. So using all the posterior chain to keep you upright, it's a really good advantage. Right. And that's, I think, another reason why I think meditation is such a good idea. It's like forcing yourself to sit without using a chair. I think chairs have been a huge problem to the posture. As long as you have, well, this, this is maybe not a right answer, but as long as you have adequate mobility, typically the body balances itself. And so it's important to know what mobility is because I don't think, I don't think anyone really understands what mobility is. Everybody pay attention to this. Mobility is not a difference in muscle lengths, not at all a difference in muscle lengths. You do not change muscle lengths. You do not change the lengths of fascia. Fascia doesn't stretch. Fascia is the tensile strength of steel. It doesn't stretch. What it does is the neurological uh, innervation to the muscle and to the fascia is either tuned up or tuned down. So if you have one side of your body that's that's tighter, it's because you're getting more neurological signal from the brain and the central nervous system to the to the peripheral nervous system in that area and less on the other side. So it doesn't necessarily mean that stretching is changing tissue length at all. It just means that stretching can tune down the amount of, of neurological signaling going there. Does that make sense? It's like one area is just like the electrical signal is just more. And the other side, the electrical signal is less. Balancing the signaling going in, I think there's value in that. I mean, I'm sure people can refute it, but I think there's value in, in, in the proprioceptive signal I'm getting and I'm giving on from side to side. So, for example, I'm squatting and I'm getting so much tone on one side that it's like I can't move because the nervous system is just hypertonic and the other side is just completely relaxed. Right. So, I want to try to balance those things out. I want to have this, as I spoke right when I said, like I want to have this general, um, consistency or harmony through the body as far as it, its amount of tone. That's more important to me than than trying to balance the body, right? I'm trying to balance the the signals of the body. Maybe that's a better way of looking at it, right? It's like, you're not going to balance the body because the nervous system is going to go where, where it needs to go based on what it's the signals it's getting. But you could ultimately influence the signals or maybe even influence your perception to the signals. I don't know if you can actually influence the signals. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest 
interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.